This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number seven. Last week, we discussed the illusion we have of time management and explored how we can shape and bend the time in our lives to create our dream lives. This week, I want to take some time to discuss the stories that we create in our heads about the facts that exist in our lives. In one of my earlier episodes, I had discussed the thought model, which really is the understanding that our feelings are coming from our thought in the moment. Our feelings are what prompts us to do certain actions which in turn lead to our specific results. Our results are directly linked to our thoughts. It is a way for our thoughts to become reality, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And over time, we develop thought patterns and our repeated actions become our habits. We experience 40 to 60,000 thoughts in a day. Most of these thoughts transiently pass through our consciousness leaving a vague memory. We might be aware of feeling a certain emotion or find ourselves doing our habitual routines without being aware why we do it. So most of the time, we are reacting to our environment without true consciousness, feeling powerless to change and unaware in our moment of control. What we want is to connect to our reality and not to the stories which are really our emotional narratives. As we create these stories, our thoughts are a way for our subconscious brain to find meaning, to understand and create a complete narrative on what we're experiencing, what we're living through. It's our way to find meaning in our reality. And we often look for evidence in our environment to support our stories to support our beliefs. So when I think I'm not doing a good job, you know, I'm just not very good at this, etc. Then we find ways to support this so that we do not have to keep putting ourselves on the line. It's much easier to give up on a dream when we think, well, that's something that's never going to happen anyway. And see, it's true. I tried to play tennis and I'm just not good at it. So I'm never going to be able to do that. Or I'm just not a good writer and see, everyone agrees with it. And we find these ways 
that it's truly true and we think our reality supports it. But really what it is, is it's a way for us to keep ourselves safe, a way for us to maintain the status quo. It's hard to do something new because the reality is we're going to fail a few times. We're going to make some mistakes. We're going to do things that will challenge who we are as a person. And that's scary. What if instead of saying, yeah, I'm just never going to be good at this. The first time you try something and it doesn't work out exactly the way you think it's going to. How about if you thought, hmm, you know, this is exactly how it's meant to be. I'm doing this for the first time and it's hard. What else could I do with this? How could I support myself through this? What if I do this 200 times and I get really good at this? What if there's something in this that I'm going to do that is going to help someone else? or going to change my life completely. So when we have thoughts that aren't serving us, that are holding us back, that are limiting our own dreams, how can we challenge our brain? How can we train our brain to think differently? When we give up these self-limiting beliefs, when we allow ourselves to fall flat on our face and embrace that and say, yep, this is how it is to keep reaching for the stars. We're going to fall a few times. And if, if we gave ourselves permission and embrace that journey, we are all so much more better equipped to reach our greatest potential, to live beyond where we are now. We have to be willing to embrace the failures and the successes that come along in our journey. Nothing has gone wrong. This is exactly how it's meant to be. And who knows, this could even be the biggest adventure of your life. And I'm so excited to share this with you. Today, I'm excited to welcome my guest, Dr. Tololope Olabintan. Dr. Olabintan is a board-certified family physician and member of the American Board of Family Physicians. She has recently launched her private practice, which is strictly telemedicine for now, and also work full-time as a primary care physician in an HIV AIDS clinic. She's a wife and mom, and have had to explore her own thoughts and actions after experiencing burnout herself. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here to share. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. So it sounds like you wear so many different hats. I would love to hear more about your journey and how you balance being a physician, being an entrepreneur, being a mom, and especially if there have been situations of burnout or overwhelm, how you've really found your journey through that. Okay. So yes, I do wear many hats, but honestly, sometimes I, I don't know how I do it. It's just one day at a time. But one of the things I will, I will speak to in regards to the journey through burnout is the realization, I think a couple of years ago, that, oh my goodness, I was struggling with burnout. And that's what it was called. Other names I had given it was, oh, I just need more rest, or I'm strong, I got to push myself to be stronger, or everyone else is doing it, there's an expectation, I got to, this is just the price to pay for being a physician and a mom and all the other hats I play and a wife and a sister and a daughter and the teacher is a mentor. And initially, I didn't know that it actually existed. I just thought that's just normal. And so I remember at my previous job, when I was in Pennsylvania, there was a seminar that was talking about physician burnout. And they actually asked for us to bring our spouses. And I was like, well, Why? And one of the reasons they said was that a lot of times physicians actually do not know that they are going through burnout. 
And so when my husband came, we had discussions, they asked questions, and there were some things that the, the, the speaker spoke about that caught my attention. He said that in medical school, we are trained to be accustomed to burnout. Like that's normal. So you get the 36 hour shifts when it was still like 48 hours sometimes, and you work weekends through the week and on and on and on and on and expectation, keep going. You're tired, you're sleepy, you keep going. You go to the car room, maybe take a quick nap, drink some coffee, you keep going. And so you were also taught to never disappoint. So I'm not, I'm not preaching here that you should disappoint your patient. It's just, you're just taught to almost like you, you signed up for this. So this is, this is it. And so sometimes it's hard for physicians to ask for help or it's hard for physicians to, to understand when it's time to take a retreat or to rest. And so it was then my husband said, ah, oh, that makes sense. So it's not like it's you, it's what you do. You know what I mean? So he was like, yeah, he could, he could see the, the journey through our marriage that, you know, oh, that's something that you, you just, you're just wired to just keep going. And so that was one of the eye openers for me. Oh, wow. Okay. It doesn't need to be that way. And I could learn or I could unlearn certain things like rest when I need to rest and ask for help and delegate and things like that. And I'm still a good physician. So I would say that was one pivotal step, the awareness that it existed. And then learning the process. Okay, well, now you know what it is. How do you adjust that? Does it mean cutting down hours? Does it mean asking for more resources at work? And it's always nice, of course, if you have a good support staff and a good hospital system or or what have you, it makes it easier. So things like having a scribe or so at least you know about it. I know about it now to ask and say, hey, I need help here. So other things don't suffer. If that makes sense. So that was yeah. key. Yeah, absolutely. And you've brought up so many great points that I think we don't even um, realize, right? It's that feeling of we're just trained to normalize it. We're mm-hmm. trained to normalize that. Of course, you don't sleep for 30 hours or 36 hours. Like that's normal. Working when you're exhausted is normal. Mm-hmm. Um, say, saying yes, even though you have no time and you don't know how you're going to add that one more thing, but you say yes to your boss. That's just the way it is. We have normalized that we just work and work and work and don't ask for something that we need. And I love that you said we can unlearn that because that's one of the hardest part that I found myself in the process of accepting that I'm in burnout and and understanding, okay, I knew that I was experiencing it, but I didn't know what to do to get out of it. I felt like, well, this is just how my life is going to be. There's no other way. And I think it's so important for our listeners who may be experiencing some level of burnout, first of all, to know this is not normal. There is no reason to accept this because it's not humanly possible to live in that space and be healthy and be happy and be connected and be our best self. So when we ask for help and when we say no, we're actually being better humans. We're being better for ourselves. We're being better physicians and all of the other hats, better moms, better dads, better wives and and husbands. And That's really the way I think we change the culture of accepting the normality that this is just the way it's going to be. I would love to hear a little bit more about this unlearning. How does someone explore the unlearning of these habits? Essentially, we've learned this. 
Right. So there's something you said, when we understand this, we can be better this or better that. A lot of the burnout then oozes into every other area of our lives, right? So we carry that same mentality with being moms, like we taking a, a 20 minute or an hour nap during days. Oh my God. And when you're off, my off days are spent doing things around the house mm-hmm. or doing things like grocery shopping and doing everything else, just not related to being a physician. Mm-hmm. So it, it's so interesting that the burnout mentality or the overworking yourself mentality kind of oozes out to every area of your life. So as far as the unlearning part, so one of the things I'm learning that it's okay to be tired, to say you're <laughs> tired, to admit mm-hmm. that you're tired and that you need rest. Mm-hmm. What that will help inform is it would help you prioritize. Okay. Spending time with the kids, maybe not a whole 10 hours, maybe 30 minute quality time. You prioritize that. You prioritize some things that are major and then you don't major on the minor. So things that you can excuse yourself out of. Oh, I'm sorry. I wouldn't be able to attend that get together. Oh, I'm sorry. I wouldn't be able to cook like I promised for your party or I wouldn't be able to. So you, it, it helps you prioritize. So learning I am tired. Today is a rest day and prioritizing rest. So I had to unlearn that fatigue is just normal. Okay, just (laughs) keep going. I'll be honest with you. I I was at a job where I was transitioning from one job to another job out of state. Mm -hmm. On my days off, on my admin days, days off, I would fly out of state, a three-hour journey for my interviews, come back the same day and still work full time. I kept doing that over and over again because I didn't want to hurt the team I was working with because I felt bad that I was leaving, even though I had to leave. My husband got a job. I had to, so I felt bad. And so one day at work, it was my nurse who came to me and said, the way you're going, I'm really afraid that something bad is going to happen. And the next day, I don't know what happened. I was talking, but I couldn't move my limbs. They had to wheel me. It wasn't panic attack because I was shaking, but I had I don't, something happened and I realized that I had the capacity to keep going and going. Even my body said no. And I kept going till I think my mind just. So mm-hmm. I had that was a big, major, major eye opener for me. I said, no, rest is the priority. And guess what? I had to also un- unlearn the fact that you think that people know how to help you get rest, but that's your job. That is your job. No one's going to help when you, I mean, they'll advise you, but you, that's your responsibility. So I realized that if I am going to be there to be able to serve in capacities that I love, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. then I need to prioritize rest. So I had to unlearn, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. You know what I mean? It was humbling in a way. And even me saying that it was humbling is an issue. I'll be honest, because it shouldn't be a question of you're humbled because you need rest. No, you need rest because you're a human being. And it's important for your overall functionality. It's important for your health. If we listen to half the things we tell our patients, you know, yes. like it, it That's true. And really, I think we do underestimate the power of rest because really, right, we have 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week. 
So when we have to do something and it's outside of our scheduled time, then the only time we can really take from is our rest time. And we keep taking from our rest time and from our relaxation time until there's really nothing left. Chronic sleep deprivation has such an impact on our mind and our body, on our mood. So many things, and we don't even realize what happens. So I think it is humbling. It is humbling, but in a way, I feel like it also allows us to say, I am human. It's liberating. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah, I am human. This is all I could do. (laughs) And so it's okay. And even when we feel emotions, right? We feel anger, frustration, and we think, no, no, we have to be patient and kind and all of these things. But sometimes things happen that we have these strong negative emotions. And I used to tell myself, oh no, I have to meditate so I can get rid of this anger that I'm feeling. And then I realized, well, I'm human and humans experience anger. Why would I not experience anger? It's normal. So I think just embracing that we are human, we need rest. We experience all of normal human emotions and that there's nothing wrong with that, but to learn how to manage that instead of having mind drama, just learning that, okay, we're angry. What are we angry about? How can we function the best in this situation? Mm -hmm. Um, So we channel that. Yeah. How do we channel that? Exactly. And how do we speak up for ourselves? How do we ask for help? People aren't going to know what we need. I mean, we have to recognize our own limitation, like you said, and we also have to ask for what are the things that we need? I used to hate asking for help and well, maybe if they realize that I need it, maybe they'll come help me, but I don't want to ask for it. And I realized nobody can read my mind. (laughs) It's just not possible. No one can read someone else's (laughs) mind. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I asked for help, it really wasn't a big deal. Sometimes people said yes. And sometimes they said no, but it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. If they said no, that's fine. But there was no harm in me saying, this is what I need help with. Are you able to? Yes. No. Okay. Moving on. But without asking, then the frustration builds and you think, oh, I'm doing all of these things and there's no one to help me. And how come someone else isn't stepping up into that role or whatever? Instead of building the frustration, just say, okay, this is what I can do, what I want to do. And whatever you can delegate or hand off to someone else, do it. Because it's just not humanly possible to do everything that we might want to. True, true. And Here's another one that I, I think sometimes can be a little conflicting. The whole, if I say no to this person, then I am not, I'm not being kind or I'm not helping. Or doctors are supposed to be caring and compassionate. And I, one of the things I've learned is that when sometimes being emotional makes you feel like you're helping. Okay. And by that, I mean, I realize that showing compassion and feeling what people are feeling and showing empathy, I I had to unlearn that it doesn't have to be draining to me. What I can do is channel that compassion to delegate or ask for help. I'll give you a case, an an example. So I remember there was a time where there was a, it was the hurricane Katrina and I had planned to go to New Orleans. And prior to that, there was a there was a, a help. There was, we were asked to help FEMA or we, we asked FEMA for help or FEMA was supposed to be helping with the hurricane and there was a delay. And I remember that I got so upset. I was crying so much. I got so upset, but I wasn't able to do anything. I just got upset. I cried. I felt sad. 
I then realized that, okay, it didn't help me. It didn't help them. So instead, instead of channel, it was someone who actually talked about it and said, instead of doing that, let us have a discussion. What can we do here? We can collect supplies and those who are going, we send it with them. One of the things about not being careful about emotions is that emotion, our emotions can be draining. So you not going through the emotional roller coaster. I'm not saying when you need to cry, don't cry. I'm saying sometimes you have to think about what it is you're doing. I'm crying. I feel bad. Okay, what can I do about it? Because crying and being upset is draining. The emotion is draining. So instead, I'm thinking, I'm going to channel all of that, my passion, the fire I feel. I'm going to do this. This can affect change for someone else. Otherwise, that person is miserable. You're feeling bad for them. I'm feeling bad. So as a physician, you have a patient who you tried everything for. Unfortunately, the outcome is bad. You feel bad. You feel horrible. So one of the things I've started to catch myself is not to dwell so much in the emotion of it. I'll hug, I'll send letters, do all of that. But what I also do is say, how can I make you comfortable? What's important to you? Not get so carried away with how I feel, but instead say, well, yeah. what can I do about the situation? And I'm an advocate for crying because crying sometimes mm-hmm. is such a relief. Like, oh, you feel good. You get a good cry. But mm-hmm. you got to be careful with those things. I had to relearn that because I would be so fatigued and I would feel so bad and they still felt bad and I felt yeah. bad. So it didn't help anything. So that was one thing I also had to adjust because it, it contributes to burnout because mm-hmm. you feel guilty. You feel bad because you can't do anything. Yeah. I think that is part of that burnout process or cycle is feeling a lack of control, mm. feeling like there's all of these things going on, feeling mm. like you've got all of these emotions going, you're just drained. You're feeling that loss of control. And I love how you said, well, okay, so you're full of emotions. You've got all of these feelings going on. How are you going to take these feelings? And what is within your sphere of control? What is something you can do with it? Because the reality is that we have no control for some, someone else's thoughts or actions or, you know, feelings. We can't control that, but we do have control over what we are going to choose to do, what, what we're going to choose to think. And we can use those emotions to bring our best self, be our most authentic self and do what we can within our, our sphere of control. And as we slowly build that and take that power back for ourselves and get out of that victim mentality or feeling like, oh, I have no choice. And so thinking, I mean, we always have choice. We don't have to stay in that job or in that city or wherever. I mean, we are choosing to do that. So what is it that we're getting out of that situation and Mm -hmm. how do we make it the best as possible? And there are some places that it may be toxic and maybe it's not really the best place for you. But just experiencing the journey and taking back the power as much as we can and not saying, oh, well, my boss said this is just how it is and I can't do anything further. There are always choices that we can make along the way that may help us get back some of that control. And if not, realize, okay, I've done everything I can in this space. Mm -hmm. And now it's time for a change. And both of those are hard, hard to decide, hard to go through. And I loved what you said about coming back to the fact that we're human. And even though we do everything possible, there are outcomes that are outside of our control. True. 
But one thing that is within our control is just to be present, be there, be connected, be there for our patients, for our colleagues, for each other, for our family, right? All of these things, there are tough things that happen in life. And sometimes we can't change it, but we can be present and say, this sucks. I wish I could change it, but this is just the way it is. I'm here for you. And even if it is something as making them comfortable or listening to them or whatever it may be in, in the different roles, I think that's still really empowering. True, true. As we kind of go through these different phases in life and these challenges that come up, are there any strategies or mindset shifts that you've had that you found in helping you build a life where you feel like you're coming from your strengths and you're truly just living out what you feel is your best self. Yeah. The year of the pandemic, what I call the resilience building year. I had just been going as usual, go to work, do this, wherever I'm needed to just pull myself 10 different places. And I started to feel really overwhelmed and um, scared. Um, scared for my patients, scared for what was going on. And I realized the more I felt like that, the less, one of the things that burnout also does, it can lead to anxiety. It can lead to mm -hmm. lack of clarity, foggy mind, and you're not able to really do things mm -hmm. effectively. So one of the things I had to own up to is that I can only give what I, I have. So I needed a source of foiling to be able to foil. I didn't realize how much of a hugger I was. Because the COVID really deprived me from <laughs> hugging a lot of people, my patients. So it was sometimes difficult to communicate the concern because I had mm -hmm. to be like, well, you got to be that far away. So I really need a constant fuel, like the awareness of my need to be filled up so I can pour out was very, very important. One of the things that helped me is my relationship with God. One of the things I started doing because I realized exercise was a very important part of my refueling process too was that I was I had listened to a, a podcast was a message someone was talking about just ways to thrive during difficult times and how they would get up early in the morning and go for a prayer walk for like two hours and I was I can't do two hours <laughs> let's let's try so six o'clock I would get up in the morning and take a walk and I would pray I would pour out my my feelings, like pray for my patients because I couldn't do anything. All of the Facebook groups, having all the physicians, you could see the news, people dying without having family members. Like it was, and then the post-COVID sequelae, what we should watch out of physicians. Oh my gosh. And so that would be where I would pour out, okay, I got to dump. I got to dump. And so I got to do that and I exercised and I got to fall in love with Dallas Skies. I know sounds cheesy, but <laughs> the, the sky is amazing. If I, if I show you pictures, like it would have a, an orange hue sometimes, would have mm -hmm. a pink hue. I'm not kidding you. I've lived in different uh, cities and states, but I've never seen, but I'll be honest with you, this is the first time I'm paying attention to a sky. To the sky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, praying and then the exercise and meditating. I would speak mm -hmm. words uh, of affirmation, words that would encourage, I would strengthen me like I am capable. So I would try to inform my mindset doing that way because I felt weak. I felt there was nothing or mm -hmm. hopeless, but I was telling myself I have strength, wisdom. And I realized I felt better. I slept better. And mm -hmm. I was able to encourage patients and tell them, okay. And we would exchange ideas. I would ask them, what are you doing? How are you coping? You look good. You look rested. Mm -hmm. And they would tell me what they're doing too. And so having been able to do that was very, very helpful. And then being intentional about laughing. I know this sounds silly. 
but it's it's really when you laugh you release endorphins Mm -hmm. here's the thing if you don't look for reasons to laugh you're not gonna find it and it sounds cheesy but it works because your moping doesn't change the outcome i tell patients this all the time it doesn't change the outcome so when you can see light or make light of things it helps the situation you get a little burst of endorphin you feel better, your mind's actually clearer. If you marinate on the negative thoughts and the things you can't do, you're running yourself into the ground. And then there were certain conversations I just wouldn't have. I was like, you know what? Let's just agree to disagree. How can we help each other? There was just some conversations I refused to get into. Mm-hmm. And I tuned off social media because sometimes I just needed that mental break. So those were things that helped. And then reaching mm-hmm. out and being honest about how I felt. I love the prayer walk. I've had walking meditations, but I have not tried prayer walk. And now I'll have to try it. That sounds beautiful and so spiritually fulfilling, right? So that's yeah. awesome. I also loved what you shared about just embracing laughter. I don't know if you've ever tried this. I tried it like a long time ago. And then last year I kind of rediscovered it, but laughter meditation. So it's essentially you are, yeah, you are laughing um, (laughs) and um, it's it's amazing. It's it, it really like at the end of it, you feel like such a huge release of energy. And I felt like my whole face was flushed and my whole body felt warm and it was amazing. So I would definitely try it in, in your spare time. I just, if you just put laughter meditation, sometimes it pops up on YouTube and it's just a guided meditation. They'll tell you what to do. And you're really just embracing that laughter. I love to watch uh, friends reruns. Yes. Yes. They are. They're funny. Yes. I would actually go out looking for, okay, what show do I know? Funny. Feel good. <laughs> (laughs) like sound of music oh I watched Mm -hmm. that three times during the pandemic Mm -hmm. I was like yeah I just need something not too not too intense just just Yeah. yeah Yeah, exactly. Well, as we're exploring and talking about the pandemic, definitely it's changed so many things that we've held to be true, that we've thought to be routine, even simple things like being able to just go out and see friends or go to the mall or any of those things. It really just changed how we took what we considered normal, right? I'm just curious in your experience over the last year, what has been the biggest awareness that you've built or the biggest mindset shift or change in perspective? Hmm. The pandemic exposed oh, so many things on earth. In the end, we're all human. The fact that whatever it is, we feel we're called to do, we should do it. If we need to reach out for help, to do it. We should do it because life is not guaranteed in that sense. It exposed the power of hate, but also showed that love is stronger because I saw communities come together. It was bad, but at the same time, good was still happening because people were rising up to the challenge. Nurses in the ER having to be the last comforting face that families would see or patients would see before they would go. As much as a lot of things were happening that that were not good, it kind of opened my eyes to see that, man, there's so much good possible when people come together. And so because of that, there's hope. It also helped me know that for me to perform in my full capacity I need to refuel. And mm-hmm. so it might mean I have to work harder to find those sources, to find the good that I need to pour into myself so I can pour out. It may mean all of that, but now I'm more intentional. 
So my days are not just, oh, well, let me see after work and be on social media or do, no, no, it's, I'm more intentional. I'm, I'm more guarded as to what I allow to influence me because I know that it's almost like I can't afford to. Mindset shift, like we talked about earlier, the importance of rest, prioritizing it and me putting myself on the list of, of people to be tendant to is okay. It's actually so important. And especially I feel like as moms, I've talked to so many moms in different professions and working or stay at home moms. I feel like moms have taken on so much more during this pandemic, just what's happening with children and, and the social isolation and struggles that the kids are going through, learning how to help their children learn. With my three kids, my younger two, I'm homeschooling them. We tried e-learning and they just struggled so much they could not learn it was just not in their in their comfort level my older one he's in high school and he was able to continue but children have different needs and mm-hmm. some moms have had to really step in there and say okay my child needs this and and then all of the social isolation and how, how do they stay healthy how do they work out how do they do their sports that they love mm-hmm. um, all of the stuff that was keeping them engaged before so I feel like it, it's been so hard to find time to be kind to ourselves even if it is okay I'm just gonna eat lunch by myself so I have a little break how do you find time for yourself and and how do you intentionally create that and what do you do with that time especially now when we're so homebound it's hard Um, to just take a break and leave I'm telling you and now with this snowstorm we we haven't left the house in two two and a half days it's so making the time to take care of myself so I I had to draw out my, what's it called? My vision board for the year. I'll be honest with you. I haven't looked at the thing in a minute. I haven't, but with every week, when I write my things to do this week or goals for this week, I would say I have something there that's for me. So it's either reading a book or it's, I love reading books, especially not exactly too medical. So things that mm-hmm. I like that are of interest to me. I love listening to music. So I have a speaker, in my bathroom. So I play that. When I'm off during the day, I, what do I enjoy doing? I used to enjoy cooking. I mean, cook for a lot of people. And then I enjoy dancing. So that goes with the music too. Now with having to start a practice and all of that, I'll be honest with you. I haven't done a very good job of finding time for myself. But mm-hmm. one of the things I've done is things that are necessary. I've cut out, like I said, certain conversations that maybe drawn out or sometimes are full of negativity and I'm not saying I don't listen but sometimes I had to I just have to sum, help them summarize some conversations just so it's value added for them but not toxic for me and then social media I've caught down I, I had to even track how long I'm on social media <laughs> and I realized that that's time I could be spending doing other things mm-hmm. uh, reading listening to music and then the kids hide and seek Actually, I know it sounds silly, but they've been asking me lately. My son came to me, he's like, Mom, can we play? Between everything that I've had to do, is, can we play hide and seek? And what I do is I, I hide somewhere. I know they're not going to see me. I sit there and I take a quick nap. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually I come That's out. That's a great so, idea. So, and they're so happy. And even oh. my husband's, oh my God, are you kidding me? It's, it's, they're seven and they're six and a half and eight. And they're still mm-hmm. like, oh, hide and seek. So it's just just those little things but I have to be more intentional with my time and what I allow to influence my day because if as you notice if you don't plan it out your day was just mm-hmm. and and I also try to weave in you no know, quality quality time with the kids and I'll be honest with you that 
that's a challenge because when you say quality time, not just staying in the same room with them. I could be on the computer doing something else and working on this, working on that. So I try and if it's 15, 20 minutes, I know it sounds little, but I'm also saying at least I'm making an effort. They know I love them. There's food on the table, but that 20 minutes, I don't mm-hmm. sacrifice it. And hey, we'll see how much more we can do. Yeah, I think 20 minutes is great, especially when you're balancing so many things, right? I, uh, and the kids know it when our attention is completely on them. I make it a point even to tell them, look, I'm going to put everything away. I'm only going to focus on you. And, you know, we're going to do this. And it may be a short time, but they feel like that time is so precious. My youngest, she's seven and she's like, when are we going to have girl time? We need to find (laughs) out because the other two are her brothers, right? So she's like, we need to have our own special time. And she doesn't care. Even if it's 15, 20 minutes, even if it is sometimes when we're doing something and we're in the car, that mm-hmm. is still precious for her because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm totally focused on you. And are you? <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that when they realize how much our entire attention is on them, that makes a huge difference in how special they feel. They feel like they're just the most precious thing in the world. Mm-hmm. They are, but they feel mm-hmm. that. And 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 I love what you said earlier too, about setting boundaries. We want to help others. We want to listen. We want to do good things. But if we don't set boundaries to protect our own self, our own energy, our own mind and time, then at the end of the day, we're not going to be able to fill anyone else's cup, right? So by setting those boundaries and making sure that we are still taking care of ourselves, whether that means that perhaps it's a conversation you don't want to have or, or an activity that you don't want to do. And I used to feel, just as you mentioned before, I used to feel guilty. Oh, I should go. I feel like I should do this because I owe them that time. And then I realized really, I don't have, to. I mean, why? What if there's another way that I can give? Uh, what if it doesn't have to be exactly this way? I used to feel, oh, I used to I have to bake everything or cook everything from scratch. And I'm, <laughs> I, I, I am in between two cycles of call right now. And I told the kids that we're going to do something special, but I can't cook dinner and bake because I don't have time to do both. Oh. What do you, which is one thing you want me to do. And then either dad's going to do the other thing or we're going to get takeout. And it's okay (laughs) because it's the time that we spend together and enjoying that instead of feeling, oh, I'm so tired and I'm running around doing 20 things. (laughs) See, that is what you just said. That is so key because sometimes we feel like the doing, the slave in a way is like showing love and it translates to a meal. So you get them (laughs) a meal, that two hours you just slaved over the making all the stuff from scratch. And I'm not saying they're not good because that's from the heart. But sometimes it's the mindset. Oh, they need to see me slave over them for them to feel loved. No, that 30 minutes I can sit with them, just laugh about something and order the food. You know, it's okay. Absolutely. And like, I'll tell them, okay, you could pick A or B. I can't do both. And, and it actually works out. We have so much more energy. And at the end of the day, you're right. It's okay. They're not going to know that difference, but you will, because you're going to be exhausted. It's going to be hard to be present when you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. So you got to pick, prioritize, like what are things that is worth it, worth the time. Yeah. So if there's something that you could tell your younger self, any pearls of wisdom, what would it be? <laughs> Oh my goodness. I would say, just go ahead and do it. Time flies. Just go ahead and do it. If it's something you're called to do, go ahead and do it. Uh, There'll never be a better time to do it than now. 
even if you have to go it afraid, just do it. <laughs> so true. Just Time do is it. So precious. If our listeners wanted to know a little bit more about you, how would they be able to reach you and share a little bit about your information? All right. So I do have a website for the practice. It's www.livingspringmedicals, which is one word, .com. And there is a place on there where you could reach out to me. I'm also on Facebook at Living Spring Medicals. Also at LinkedIn, Instagram and Clubhouse, all three are at Dr. Underscore Ola Binton. Okay, awesome. And I'll be sure to include that information in the show notes as well. So they'll be able to see it and connect and get to know a little bit more. It's been so wonderful to chat with you. I've really enjoyed just uh, learning more about you and really just all of the perspectives and Mm. changes that we get to share. Sometimes we go along and we're thinking a certain way. It's really our built-in thought patterns, mm-hmm. just the way we've always thought. But sometimes we hear something, someone says something, or you had shared so much wisdom today. So I know that I'm going to be reflecting on that and just really thinking how that can be a, a mindset shift even for myself. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.